Hello everybody, it's Dr. Moon and my wonderful weenie dog Snoots and today we are going to be talking about setting up your playroom. Setting up your playroom is probably the most fun thing that you get to do as a play therapist and for the rest of your play therapy life, everywhere you go, you will be finding um, new toys and new things that you can bring and and put in your in your playroom and i'm also going to touch on creating a portable playroom that you can use in case you're in a school or if you're in a community mental health place and you don't have an area that you can set up as a permanent playroom this is one that you can take with you wherever you go now it's important that when you're creating the playroom that you make something that's going to that it'll be the child's first impact when they come into the thing, when they come into the room. And you want to let them know that this is a room for kids, okay? And it's a place where you can just explore anything and be who you are. Um, the toys that are sitting there, everything can be used. Kids can take anything from wherever. They can play with it. They can play with, you know, bring other stuff there. Just make a huge mess, in, <laughs> a huge mess in your office. But you want them to know, hey guys, this is a place for kids and you can play and you can touch and it's okay. And um, you're not going to get, you're not going to get in trouble for anything like that. Now, the thing that you want to focus on is in the playroom, you don't want any distractions. So you want to try to make it a place that is, um, it's going to be, it's going to be quiet. <laughs> At the very end of when I was doing counseling in the elementary school, I had been moved out to a portable because they had new an extra teacher and ugh. anyway, I had waited so long for my own classroom and I had it for two years and then new teacher came and Dr. Moon's out in the lonely, lonely portable. Well, the other portable that was next to mine was the music portable. And uh, twice a week, this guy would come and he would, you know, use a piano and he had all these percussion drums and all these shakers and everything for kids. And, and we were so close. There probably wasn't, you know, maybe four feet between that trailer and my trailer. So whenever he came for music, it was just insane because it was very difficult to talk to talk to somebody when uh, when you have percussion drums going on in the background. So make sure that it's a quiet place and there's not um, there's not a, a lot of noise and it's kind of a safe place because you. Um, this is what I first learned when I was practicing to become a therapist was that you want your office to feel very womb-like. So I use different kinds of lights. I don't like the fluorescent lights that, that come normally in, you know, in office buildings. So some things you can do if you can't, um, if you can't get rid of the, get rid of the fluorescent lights, you can take, um, you could go to Pier 1 or Target or whatever and get some really thin, uh, window blinds, not blinds, but window curtains. And then you can kind of drape those across the ceiling. Another thing that I like to do is just keep the lights off all the time and just string the whole ceiling with Christmas lights. And that gives you um, enough light to, to do anything that you need to do, but it also has that kind of soft, calming kind of feel. I also like to have some music on. I'm a big fan of jazz and I'll have that on and I'll turn it really low because it seems like if the room is really, really quiet, then it becomes awkward. But if you hear a little music, jazz music in the background, kind of makes it calmer and more welcoming. If you ever see me do a presentation, like at a conference, you'll know that I always put on music before I present. And that's a way to, 
you know, make it feel better, make, make it feel, hey, something's going on, you know, I'm excited about being here. So I like to do that to keep things together. Now, the playroom, you need to have at least 150 to 200 square feet. I know that you guys probably aren't going to have a whole lot of a whole lot of room, but you want a place that's not super narrow or um, you know just a huge room. You want it to be a small area where the child can feel emotionally contained, that it's not too overwhelming, but it still is a place for you to have fun. And you don't want it to be so crowded that they're bumping into everything. Maybe you have a sand tray and you keep the sand tray in the middle of your room, but the room is small. So to get around the sand tray, you know you have to go. You have to kind of squeeze past it. And then if you have shelves on each side that have little sand tray toys on them, whenever you move past them, they're, they're going to start to fall off. And that's very frustrating. So be sure that you have enough space for them to, to use. Now, you don't have to have any windows uh, that are open. Anytime you have windows, though, you want to make sure that they are covered to keep the privacy of the kid. And I'm a huge fan of tie-dyeing. <laughs> and I got really into it a few years ago. And so I would take muslin and then I would learn how to wrap it and make it all cool. And then I would dye it a very, very light blue because light blue is a calming color. Light green is also a calming color. I just like blue better. And so I had all these beautiful tie dyed uh, window curtains that I that I made. So it would let in a little bit of light, but it muted it and it made it a nice environment inside the classroom. Um, let's see here. Okay. The best color for your for your room is probably a nice off-white color. Don't do anything that has colors that are like blaring, like ah, you know, very bright yellows or bright reds, bright purples, anything like that you don't want. And say that you are new to the school and you get your classroom and it is painted an unusual color, ask if you can come before school starts, the whole year starts, and if you can paint your office that off-white color. And sometimes the schools even have people that will come out and paint it for you. So ask, um, and most time community mental health, you guys always have that really kind of drab wall color. So see what you could do while you are there. Some really nice things that you could have inside your playroom is a sink where you have cold running water that kids like to play with water kids like to you know put the put the plug in and bring the water up and play with the different toys that you have in there so that's always something nice to have it's also good to have a really big whiteboard on the wall and then you have all different color whiteboard markers so kids can feel free to draw to do different things on there and um, and you can erase it when they leave you want to have shelves that are not too high so that a kid can easily reach them. If you need a little tiny step stool for them to reach the things on the higher levels, that's fine. But try to keep everything lower and kid friendly. Uh, it's always nice if you have a bathroom nearby, maybe inside your room, which would be perfect. But if you don't, then at least have one nearby so that the child can go to the bathroom and then come back and not be distracted by a lot of things that may be going on into the hall. You're also going to want to have a storage cabinet where you can keep all your toys or you want to have shelving where you can keep all your toys. It's sometimes good to have a cabinet because then the kids can open it and you can have different costumes that are hanging in there. You can have different drawers with toys, art supplies, all kinds of different things, games, just a neat little cupboard or an armoire that the kids can come in and they can open it up themselves and they can take out anything they want to. And it's a, a special place for you to be there. Now, this is always strange, but, but this is how we do it in play therapy land. 
it is always the same. Every time the child comes in, the toys are always in the same places, the puppets are in the same places, the art supplies, the games, it's always the same. So when they come in, they know this secure environment has not changed. So everything in the world can be going on with their life, but they know that when they come to the playroom, it's safe and it always looks exactly the same, which kids like because it gives them kind of that feeling of, of continuity. When the kids leave, they don't have to pick up the mess at all. Playrooms for them, you get to play, you don't have to pick up anything. Which you think, what? They pulled all that stuff out, they need to put it up again. Well, one reason is you don't, they don't, they may not put things back in the right places. And you have to keep it, you have to keep it right. And they also, um, they also need to have a feeling that it's okay to, to, to use this place and then to go and it's not, it's not a chore when you leave. It's just like, oh, that was nice. And then they, then they can go on. Now, I like to assign toys that are similar in similar places. I, my dissertation was in sand tray therapy. So I have these sand tray shelves and then I have hundreds of miniatures going up on each side. Down in the bottom, I would have big baskets of dinosaurs, you know, the dinosaur toys, or I'd have big baskets of blocks. And then kind of as we moved up the shelving, I would have different things. For instance, if I had a bunch of Barbies, they would be in the shelf in the same place. Or if I had a bunch of um, kind of more violent toys that kids might use, I would have those over in a different area. So I would group everything um, in the same place. And there go my notes. And here we go. Let me get them back again. Okay, so where was I? Yes, if you have dress-up clothes, all your dress-up clothes in one area. If you have puppets, all the puppets in one area. A neat thing that my parents have done, they um, do a lot of traveling overseas, and my mom really enjoys, every time they go somewhere, they try to find me unusual finger puppets. So I have this really, really neat finger puppet collection. I'll have to take some pictures so that you can look at them. But my dad made me a little... A little stand for it. It's like a piece of wood and then it has little dowels that stick up and I can stick the different toys on the dowels and then I sit those you know in rows and then the kids can come and use the finger puppets and and then they're just right there. I also have a tiny little finger puppet stage that sits up so if kids want to do some dramatic uh, some dramatic play with that it's a lot of fun, and I always have fun watching kids play. Kids play, uh, do plays with the finger puppets and with the, the thing. Okay, there are no boy toys and there are no girl toys inside inside the the playroom. If a kid says, "Oh, I can't play with Barbies because that's a girl toy," you say, "In here, it's an anybody toy. There's no toy that you can or can't play with. There's no toy that." that says, oh, that's too feminine or that that's too masculine. And in doing this, you're helping them learn that everything is not always black and white. You know, it's not always boys and girls being separated. It's more of like we're community and it's okay to play with different toys. Let's see here. Some other things that are nice to have in your, in your office is a creative arts center. I love art. I'm a huge fan. I love art therapy. So I always had a a piece of my playroom that was just dedicated to art. I had this neat little table that had um, a roll of butcher's paper on the bottom of it, and you could just pull it straight across. So the kid, and it was low down. It was kid, these neat things that you have in there need to be kid size, not adult size. So it was low on the ground, so they could be down low and they could do their coloring or they could do whatever type of artwork that we were doing, and then um, we could just pull it off the sheet, and I could let them take it home 
or I could keep it. I really like to take a picture of everything that kid, everything that the kids do, and keep those in my record. So as the kid moves through therapy, we can go back and look at different things and say, "Oh, remember when you first came? These were some of the drawings you did. What do you think about those now?" And it's a great way just to to document your work with kids because we always, always, always need to document. Uh, let's see. Another thing that you can have, if you like, is a music center where you have different musical, simple musical instruments that they can play with. I'm not a huge music fan except for, you know, playing jazz when they come in. But if you like that, that's another thing that's really, really fun. But remember, it can get loud. <laughs> things can get really loud if they're beating things together, or, you know, doing jingle bells, playing the triangle. Sometimes it, it's a little bit loud. But because it's the playroom, they can play it as loud as they want to. You get to listen to it. Let's see. Do, 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 looking at my notes. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. Try to think of the toys or the children's words. And the play is the language. I know I've talked about this before that um, children play. That's kind of their job. And it's because they don't have enough vocabulary words, emotional vocabulary words to express how they are feeling. However, if you have these toys out, they can use toys to express that to you. Had a little girl who came in, her parents were fighting a lot. So she had taken a really angry kind of scary wizard puppet. And then she had a little puppet that was this pretty princess. And she was identifying herself as the princess and the um, the scary wizard was her grandfather and he would always yell at her when she came home or fuss at her to do chores uh, and she was really angry about this but because she you know her mother wasn't going to stand up for her or her dad wasn't going to I guess they felt like you know it was his right to <laughs> to fuss at her to do different stuff but it made her really really angry so when she played out that kind of thing he would always be yelling at her and the princess would try to hide and so I would say hey let's talk about some different things that the princess could say to the wizard that would help her safe or help the princess um, try to explain how she feels and that's really really good when you see kids doing the same thing over several sessions they're actually working it out with their minds. So don't think, oh, they play this game every single time they come in. No, it's fine. They play the game because they're starting to work through their problems. And um, and it's neat to get to, to witness that and to get to see the, the, the thing, to get to see the change. Okay. All right, there are essential things that you need to focus on. And the first thing is establishing a positive relationship with the child. Whenever a kid comes in, I always use a magic trick to get them involved. I, ha I don't have a coin around here. I would show you. I would draw younger kids in with this coin trick where you have a coin, right? <laughs> and you disappear it, poof, it's gone. And then you pull it out behind the ear. Always find that kids are very, very receptive to that. It's just you want to be positive. When they come in, be excited. Hey, I'm Dr. Moon. I'm lucky to be the adult that gets to work with you. I'm very, very excited. Tell me a little bit about yourself. See, you're already starting to move into that positive relationship. They come into the room. They look at the different toys. You say, hey, this is a room that's just for you. You can look at any of the toys. You can touch anything you want. Just let me know if you have any questions or if you want to just talk about some stuff. That's totally good with me. You want to work with them so that they learn more feeling words. 
most kids know sad, mad, angry, happy. You know, that, that's that's all that, that's there. You need to go and work in different words. So like joyful, delighted, frustrated, irritated. There's all these different feeling words. And part of the thing when you're working with them is helping them learn new words to express how they're feeling. They also may want to test limits. For example, in the sand tray, you'll say to them, um, you can put water in the tray. That's okay. But um, let's not let's not go crazy with all the water in the tray. Let's not get it all over the side. You don't have to let them ruin stuff. You know what I'm saying? But if they're flooding up the tray with too much water or um, they're pushing, the, the things are, you know, toys are fighting with each other, different things like that. You want to let that be okay because they're starting to test limits, their own limits, and they're trying to see how they're going to work through different things. And it's important that you sometimes say something. For instance, if I say you can put water in the sand tray, but I don't want you to put too much water in the sand tray, and they go and then they flood the whole sand tray, you can talk to them about, well, you know, part of the limit was not to put all that water in the sand tray, but you did. So tell me a little bit about why did you do that? You know, what what were you thinking when you put all that in there? And you can really get into some interesting conversations with the kids. So just don't freak out. <laughs> don't freak out with the kids. Don't be like, ah, it's crazy in here. It's okay. And as you are a play therapist and as you work more and more with kids, you'll become more comfortable being in the playroom, watching them play, adding interesting thoughts, you know, interjections as you go along. And, um, and you're not quite so nervous anymore. When you're a beginning therapist, everything is nervous. You're like, I don't know what to do. Uh, this is all very scary. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Just, just calm down. You're fine. You're doing fine. And you will start to learn how to be a really, really good ther play therapist the longer that you work on it. Okay, uh, let's see. When you are selecting toys for your playroom, you want to get something that has a really wide range of creative expression. For example, all of the different finger puppets that I were telling you about, they were just everything, all the way from God to the devil and everything in between. Also, you can have different types of art medium. I like to have um, colorful tissue paper, love colorful pipe cleaners, have uh, drawers full of construction paper, art paper. I'm not a big fan of paint. And the reason is, is, is obvious. I don't want to get paint everywhere and then have to clean it up. So instead of paint, I have, you know, markers, crayons, anything else. But paint is just is just off my list. But you might be okay with it. You might not mind finger painting or you might not mind them painting a self-portrait of themselves on a little easel. And if you can deal with paint, you go for it. Yes, you. But you also need to have lots of uh, plastic plastic trash bags so you can cover the kid from head to toe so that when they leave, their parents are not like, oh, she ruins a t-shirt <laughs> every time I bring the child to see her. Let's see. Uh, make sure that toys are engaging for different children's interests. You know that a kid's going to come in and he likes to play with the blocks or a kid comes in and he really likes to play with the figurines or with the puppets. But say that you have a kid who comes in and he doesn't find anything that's interesting at all to play with. You can start to talk to them about that. Well, what toys do you like? And, um, you know, what would you like us to do? Have you ever built a model plane before? 
maybe you and I could work on building a model plane together. And if that's something that's interesting, that's great. Or you could say, hey, we could pick out a puzzle. I could show you a bunch of different ideas online and you can pick one and you and I can work together. It's just always be on top of watching the kid, seeing if things inside the playroom are working or if they're not working and then make adjustments for that child. And two, the more stuff that you buy, the better the playroom is. So you can see how over time this kid, this is really gonna add up to a whole lot of toys. Now, toys are expensive, especially when you are starting out making your, your play therapy boxes, you know, portable play therapy boxes. There are tons of places online that you can go and get starting out portable play therapy boxes, but they're kind of expensive. So what I found was if you go to the thrift store, Often they'll have tons of toys, little figurines like from McDonald's or, or you know, plastic toys that, that kids didn't, I guess, you know, didn't play with and they sent them to the thrift store and they'll have them in big bags for 10, 25 cents. And this is, it's exactly what you need. So I would buy those and I would take them home and I would Clorox them in my bathtub. So I would know that they were clean before the kids were going to get them. So that's a great thing that you can do. Go to the store. Another thing that you can do to get good therapy toys without going online and having to spend all that money is to go to places like Michael's or Hobby Lobby and then go look over in their dollhouse section, in their miniature section. And you'll be able to find a bunch of different houses. You'll be able to find fences and trees and little tiny Christmas trees, all different kinds of things. And it's important that you have a lot of seasonal stuff in your play therapy room. So Hobby Lobby is great because every season, you know, they come out with something new and, um, and you can purchase that to put in your playroom. Okay. Let's see. Yeah. What else I've got? I make notes and then I look at them and I'm like, eh, I don't want to talk about that right now. Okay. Maybe. When you, well, <laughs> I just covered it and then I looked at it, it said my notes twice. All right. When kids are working out problems with their family, usually they're going to use dolls or they're going to use puppets. I love puppets, guys. If you are crafty, it's lots of fun to make different types of puppets for your playroom. Felt puppets are super, super easy. Go to Hobby Lobby, buy a bunch of different colors of felt, and you can just use a simple, you can use just a simple like this. You can just cut out different colored felt in this, in this shape and cut out two of them, right? So we cut out two, one, two of the felt, okay? And then you're gonna glue around the edges and put them together. So we'll put the glue here and the glue here. All right, so I've got the glue on both sides, but not on the bottom, because that's where their little finger is gonna go. Now you can turn these into any type of puppets that you want. This is a lot cheaper than buying finger puppets kind of like my parents have. So then you have the finger puppet like this, and for instance, you could make a little piggy. Make a little piggy. Okay, here's piggy. You could do a whole set of animals. Animals are really, really great as finger puppets. And the reason is, is that they are ethnically neutral and they're gender neutral. So kids can decide however they want to work on that. Another thing that's fun is if you made a series of families in different colors. So you could have um, a white family, 
Well, she's probably not going to have curlies like that unless you get really good. Okay, so she, a little girl, she could have an outfit. You could have white family. You could have a black family. You could have a Hispanic family, an Asian family. These are fun to make. You, your kids may even have a blast making them with you. You could even use that as a play therapy activity, you know, making toys of their actual family members. Kids love this stuff. Let's say, though, that you don't have a lot of money and you don't want to go out and purchase uh, all this felt and make things like that. You can make them with paper. Paper puppets are just as good as anything else. And you can do this. For instance, let's say that we're going to make a, a little boy puppet. Okay. So I would just cut him out. And I would make him. Okay. So here's our little boy like that. And then I would take a stick like a like a popsicle stick, and I would glue it on the back, not the front, on the back, okay? So now you have a little puppet on a stick. Yay, puppet on a stick. You could do a whole family, a puppet on stick. You could do the, say that he's being bullied by a kid. You could make the bully on a stick and the kid on a stick, and they could kind of have interactions together. You could use that as a great way. Say um, you had the bully and you had the kid, and the bully's like, you're so stupid. You don't do well on uh, tests. I'm going to tell everybody that you're just ignorant. You can help, help the kid come up with different things to say. Well, have you said... It really hurts me when you say those things, and I don't understand why you're picking on me. Or you could help them come up with, um, leave me alone. Leave me alone talking to me like that. Or you could help them say, I don't like being picked on, and if you keep picking on me, I'm going to tell an adult. So if you, <laughs> you look at this and you're like, wow, so many things that I can help, so many things I can help them learn. I always use iMessages. You'll start to use iMessages. It'll just become a part of you. You saw how I just did that. It was an iMessage. iMessages are, I feel blank because blank. Okay. So an example would be, I feel angry when you steal my toys. Or I feel angry when you pick on me in class. Or um, I feel frustrated when you knock papers off the desk. See, you're using an iMessage. I like to teach kids how to use iMessages in the playroom as a way of expressing themselves correctly. Kids don't always know what to say. Adults have to teach them what to say for different situations. That's really, really, that's, that's good if you could do that. Also, a neat thing to have is a dollhouse. Ooh, dollhouse. I was lucky at the thrift store, they had a dollhouse, a wooden dollhouse there for $2.99, and it was just this white, boring dollhouse, and I took it home, and I painted it, and made it look really, really neat, got dollhouse furniture, all kinds of different stuff in there, kids absolutely love it. At the toy place that I was saying online, you can go look at play therapy toys, they will have dollhouses that actually are in pieces, so you can put it together at, at, a, at any location and then when you take it down it just all comes flat together and you can take that with you. Love dollhouses. If you have an option or if you have a chance to do that, try to find a dollhouse or maybe have someone make one for you. It doesn't have to be super fancy. It's just fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. You can even make one out of cardboard. Let's see. Okay, we talked about puppets. Right, we talked about that. Something that you might want to have is a medical kit. If you have a kid, sneeze. 
No. If you have a child that is in some type of medical situation, medical kits are great because they can take the they can take the toys out of the medical kit and kind of work out some of their feelings, maybe with a doll or um, if they're scared of shots or if they're scared of anything. I can't come up, I can't come up with it at the top of my head right now. But if you have a kid and they are in a hospital situation, always good to have a medical box with you for them to use that. Um, so why do the kids, why do kids need therapy? Why do they need to have play therapy? And it's because they're having these real life experiences, but because they're so young, they're not understanding how to process it. That's why we have play. Snoots, come here. Snoots. Snoots knows that he's annoying me because he's messing with stuff over there. Snootsy. And of course, he's just like ignoring me. All right. Do -do. Lots of people have a bop doll. One of those dolls that you fill up with air and you can punch him. I don't know what they're called, like Bozo the Clown dolls or something like that. If you have kids that are really aggressive or really angry, that's something that you can have in the playroom. And they can just beat that thing up. And as long as it doesn't hit you or hurt you, then here's Snootsie. Come here. Come here. Snoots needs to play in a playroom. Come here. Now he's going to be, he's going to be mean. Um, they can bop that doll all that they want to, just as long as it doesn't hurt you. Say they want to play with guns, they can play with guns. In the, you can have those in the playroom, the ones with the orange cap on it. You think, ooh, no, kids can't play with guns. It's okay. Say that you have a kid from the projects who's experiencing guns every single night. It's just, it's just part of their lifestyle. Having those there helps them work out some of that stuff. But you never want them to point the gun at you. You never want them to point the gun at dolls that are like people, and you don't want them to point the gun at themselves. But it's okay to play with a gun. It's okay to dress up like, you know, an Indian or a policeman if you have those costumes and do that. So don't fear having guns there. It's okay because kids can work through stuff like that. And it's okay if they feel aggressive. You know, if they're shooting a thing, you know, a point at the wall, or you're like, oh, you're the bad guy. Not me. <laughs> Not me. But like they're saying it to, to the, oh, you're a bad guy. I'm going to get you. That gives you insight into their lives and what they're seeing. So say that they did that. They're shooting something at the wall, and they're saying mean things. You could say, have you actually seen something like that happen? Or tell me a little bit more about what's going on. So you've got this gun. There's somebody over in the corner. Explain to me what's happening. See how I'm also using open-ended questions? Open-ended questions are great because they, 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 <laughs> the whole purpose of the question is to get more information. If I say to him, so are you shooting somebody? He'll either say, yeah, or no. You got nothing. But if you try to bring that into this, tell me, tell me a little bit more about that. When you say, tell me more about that, and this is something that you're going to learn the more that you are a therapist. Like I say, these are going to become part of you. you. You have these questions that um, you, you'll just come to understand how to use it. How is it, you could say, how, how did this, how did you get so angry? What's making you so angry that you wanted to use the gun? Or tell me about, tell me about why you're bopping the doll? You know, who are you, who are you fighting? Well, why are you angry with this person? And that helps them express things to you in um, 
in a physical way, and that's the language of play. So don't be afraid of, of things when they're really aggressive. One thing that I have, if I don't really like bo the bop doll, <laughs> I don't know, it just seems kind of weird to have. It's, it's weird. But you like, if you like it, go for it. I also have bean bags, uh, bean bag bags that I made with my nifty sewing kit because I was a Girl Scout and in 4-H and I learned that. So I stuff them full of, uh, you know, stuff them full of beans. I'll have a whole bunch of them. And then I have some plastic cups that I got at the dollar store. So the kids can stack the plastic cups up and then they can take that bean bag and just just whack them so they just all fall down. And the kid goes and he puts the cups back up and does it again. The child may ask you to help them. They may say, hey, Dr. Moon, can you put the cups up after I throw the bean bags at them? You say, sure, because they've asked you into the play. You can also say to them, hey, can I play with you today? And they may say yes, and they may say, no, I just want to kind of do my own thing over here. You say, that's fine. I'll just hang out in the chair, and I may ask you some stuff while we're sitting here, you know, while you're playing, and you know, we'll just see what happens. So use use that as um, a way to let them know that you're interested, you want to interact with them, but they are the ones that actually get to set the limits as to how long the adult um, the adult is with them. Let's see. A nifty thing are tinker toys. You know the little things that you can kind of stick together. Now they have these new wonderful things. I saw I saw them on Amazon on the Christmas. You know, buy this for kids for Christmas. But instead of like Legos or instead of Tinker Toys, they're tiny magnets. They're little bitty squares, and you can touch all the squares together, and they uh, the magnets stick together. So you can build castles. You can build all kinds of cool stuff with it, and then take it down and then put it back up. I love it. And it gives a kid a feeling of accomplishment because if they say, oh, Dr. Moon, today I'm going to build a castle and they come in and they build that castle, they feel good about it. So you would say to them, wow, you you should be so proud of yourself. You did a great job on that castle today. Remind, this is an affirmation when you say you did a great job. You must be proud. You don't want to say to them, I'm so proud of you for making that today. You always want to have the focus on the child. So you must feel great. Or tell me about how you feel that you've actually made that. You've actually made the castle this time. Get into their feelings and focus on them. Don't focus on what you think things may be. All right. Notes. My notes are messing up. And I can't get to them. Notes. Hang on, guys. Let me see. Let me fix my notes. Go. Uh-oh, my notes are messed up. Hold, please, while I see what we can do. I also have them over here on my other screen. Kids learn self-control when they are in the play therapy room. That's something that that's something that's one of the main things that you want to do is help them gain self-control. So the different things that they choose to play with should help them with that. I think Santre is absolutely wonderful. If you are not familiar with Santre, I'll have to do a video on that for you. Actually, I have one that I can show you. In the sand tray room, you have a tray full of sand, and then you have shelves of miniatures. And the miniatures are supposed to be everything that ever was, everything that is, or everything that will be. Gods and goddesses, um, people, 
buildings, trucks, dinosaurs, shells, marbles, all kinds of great stuff. In the sand tray, the child will act out their problems using the miniatures. And you will sit next to them as they do the sand tray, and you may comment on different things. You may say, wow, look at that. You know, you've got this barbed wire fence going across. Tell me what the barbed wire fence is doing. Or you say, okay, I see that you've got the king in the castle, but the queen is over here, and you buried her in the sand and put um, a little gravestone on her. How did she die? You know, what happened to her? Tell me a little bit about what's going on in your in your sand tray. That's going to help the child work through problems and um, and help them to start to to get that self control back. Sand tray is super great. The things that you'll see in the sand tray are absolutely amazing. I'll share this with you. I've also used sand tray therapy with adults, and I had a, a client who had been in. Um, been in Iraq or Afghanistan, I'm not exactly sure what, but he drove a supply truck with food from one place to another to get them to, to get them to the, um, to the soldiers that were, you know, further away. And they went through a town and the town had made the children link arms and line up over the street. The street was the only way that he could get through. He had to take the food to the other soldiers. He had to follow orders he had to drive over the children. Now, I can imagine that this would be the most horrible experience in someone's entire life. This man could not bring those, he couldn't say it. I mean, how, how, hor how horrible it would be to, to even talk about something like that. But he used the sand tray. He set up all the barricades. He made it look just like it was in, in his experience. He showed me through the sand tray what happened. And through that, I could understand what had gone on. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna elaborate on it, but it was very, very painful. It was very, very hard. But the sand tray actually allowed him to show what happened without having to say it. So sand trays are great because they will help you um, they help you learn a whole lot about kids. That and art therapy. Okay, now I've got my notes back up. Do, do, do. Mm -hmm. Okay, did that. Okay. All right. Okay, I'm looking through here. Talked about that. Okay, so for now, I am going to stop on this lecture, and then I will pick up on part two of play therapy rooms in just a bit. So, thanks for listening, and check out part two. I'm going to end this.